Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell. It is so good to see you, good to have you. Come on in, let us have a seat. The podcast is brought to you by MasterCard. And you know with MasterCard, it's all about experiences that make your life meaningful. So even though our guests on the show speak about their life, their journey, the challenges, the rejection, the disappointment. We also look for those lovely priceless moments. Now, if you just stumble across this podcast, you don't know me, you've never seen me from anywhere. I am Terry Carell Reed, and you can go ahead and you can join my community by finding me across all social media platforms at Terry Carell. If you want to find out more about me though, you can visit my website at terrycarell.com. And if there's anyone in your space who you believe has an amazing redirection story then you can also visit my website click on the tab contact us and let us know who that person is and we will take it from there try to give us as much information as possible if you want to carry this conversation across to your community please go ahead and use the hashtag tk redirection now you might see a pop-up a bubble you might see tony in one of those corners that is our sign language interpreter and that service is sponsored by toyota jamaica because with toyota jamaica let's go places and let's do so together we thought that we would love to enhance this uh, podcast and the experience by also creating um, room for our deaf community to also enjoy these amazing uh, stories now again if you want to listen to this podcast across your preferred podcast platforms Go ahead, do that, do your thing. Please don't forget to drop your ratings, drop your reviews. We value your feedback. But of course, I get a set beautifully designed by Spaces Jamaica. So if you want to watch the show, please go ahead, subscribe, like, and drop in the comments the, the parts of the, the stories that resonated with you the most. We have a fantastic show lined up for you today. A guest that's very, very different. This would be our youngest guest for this season, um, youth uh, parliamentarian, youth ambassador, debater, activist, advocate, articulate, eloquent, sharp, just 17. But what a life he has lived and he has his experiences that he would like to share with you. We cannot wait to have Othniel Vashon Lamy in the redirection seat. Season two of the Redirection with Terry Carell podcast is brought to you by MasterCard. All right, Othniel Bashan Lamy, you are everything. Advocate, activist, um, youth ambassador, Jamaica youth parliamentarian, international debater. You are a contributor to your, your school community, your church community, and you have big dreams not only for yourself, but also the nation. And you are just seven... And I only just mentioned a couple, a couple of things. How does it feel to know that at just the age of 17, you have achieved so much? It's humbling. It's humbling. It's an honor to serve. 
I, I believe I was given gifts not to self-glorify myself, but mm-hmm. to, of course, help others realize their gifts, help others grow, and help others become the best of themselves. So it's humbling. Beautiful answer. Now, to give my viewers some context, right. I was invited by NCU, Northern Caribbean University, as a guest speaker. Right. Um, to date, one of the best receptions I have ever gotten. Uh, remembered you there. You were dapper. You were sharp. You were well-dressed, you were outspoken, confident, you had the self-esteem, you came up, we had conversation. My question to you is, were you always like this? Potential-wise, I'll say yes, Mm because God instilled this in me before I was born. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. But always this much, I don't, I don't, I I wouldn't say. If you ask me six years back, five years back, uh, would you think this is who you would be today? Mm -hmm. Would it be a definite no? All right, so tell me why. And walk me through the different transitions from you being who you were then versus who you are now. Right. So, of course, starting out smaller, I had aspirations, which I was hoping they would turn to gifts. So Mm -hmm. upon making attempts to transform them into gifts, of course, failure showed up. Uh, I played the piano. Back then, I would run to church. And after the musician would leave after church... I would go on the piano and I'd start playing and persons would say, don't play with it mm-hmm. or leave it alone. Uh, failure there. It, they wasn't given the open space to play. Sometimes I would sing and uh, I, professional singers would hear me like, you're off note, you're off key. Mm-hmm. Don't sing like Shut that. Down. That's not the tenor. Shut up, right? Yeah. And, and different, different roadblocks, different boulders in the way. The, the transition, however, was, I, I'm not turning this into a fully spiritual conversation. And that's but, fine if you do. Right. But but I had to realize that these boulders in my way were only boulders because I was on the floor. Mm. If I looked at who had the bird's eye view, there would be only a grain of sand. All right. So when, when I recognize that if I'm trying this on my own, I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. I should then hand over to who can make me what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Then all things, as the Bible says, become possible. But we know it's, it's, it's easier said, said than, than done. done we know that having... Um, or, or being able to sit in the position you are now, it is easier for us to say that. But in those moments of rejection and mm-hmm. the different kinds of failure that came, yes. was there any particular um, type of rejection that hurt you the most or had the biggest impact on you while growing? There has been many mm-hmm. rejections. Uh, I remember when I wanted to into a certain competition. Um, of course, it had many promotions, you know, oh, if you win or if you do well, you can get this and you can reach here and you can see yourself moving through life as a result of this competition. So, of course, being ambitious, I mm-hmm. wanted to enter. The first thing that came up, you're too young. You're too small. I was always short. I'm still short. No, but I was always <laughs> tiny and wissy, as they'd say. And I, I had no bit of of impact in just the way I look. Mm -hmm. And so because no one would see me and see purpose, they would put it off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I had to verbally and, and, you know, manually place that that sense of purpose in my life. And how did you do that? And how did you learn that? And who did you learn that from? Man, (laughs) man. All right, let's start with the first one. How did I learn that? Correct. Because it is the how. <clears throat> it's the how. It is, yes, I was able to do it. Right. But, but how, how? And usually the there, is a, there is a process. And usually there is a who 
right. or there is a what that allows us to actually transition through that process. So really tell me. How? Right. It's a mindset. Mm-hmm. I believe everything starts, starts with the mind. So if someone tells me something negative about me, I don't mind. If, if I, in my mind, believe it, then I'll be a reflection of what they say. I believe this has always been my mantra. I just quoted it and realized it now. But I think it's what took me since I was smaller. Mm-hmm. It, the quote says, peace isn't the absence of danger or irritation or rejection. Mm-hmm. It's rather the state of mind that keeps you calm in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. So even when I was rejected, even when I was put down, <clears throat> I, 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 I was so full of, of this, this drive, this, this purpose that I, I still looked for ways to surface. So it's like putting a bottle under the water. It's filled with air, so it always finds a way to resurface. And when you keep pushing it down, it still always finds a way somehow. To and it's usually more forceful, isn't it? It's more forceful when it comes back on top. Um, it's like a catapult or a bingy, as some persons would call it. When you pull the stone back upon letting go, it goes forward full force. The rejection there, it's weird, but they are all blessings. And in the moment, no one thinks that the circumstance, the vicissitude, the issue is a blessing. No one thinks that because I'm... It doesn't feel that it way. It doesn't feel that way because I'm crying myself to sleep. It's painful. I'm being rejected. It hurts. You're saying things that are attacking my emotional stability. Why would I say this is a blessing? Here's the thing. It's building you. You don't build a house until you dig the earth. So let me ask you this. In those moments of rejections, who do you turn to? Um mentor, parent, friend, where did you find um, solace and refuge? Because no man is an island. No man stands alone. And as much as we hear conversations about people being self-made, it is not something that I believe in, simply because I know that everyone who has achieved and attained something has done it because someone Someone has opened a door or opened a window or was in the right place at the right time to help navigate and to mentor so i know you're still very young you're 17 and you've experienced a lot and you're talking about the different you know places of you know where you've been hurt but the question now is who consoled you and i don't know do you have siblings tell me about your family and even the role of family as you were as you were growing Definitely. All right. So siblings wise, uh, my mother has four children. My Mm -hmm. father has seven. I'm the last and only one for both of them. Wow. The last and only one for both of them. Are the siblings close? As in with each other and myself? Yeah. And do like, is there a a relationship with all of you? By the time I came into this world, everybody (laughs) was teens. So by the time I knew myself, everybody was adults living their own life. So you were the runt. So I was the runt. I, we still communicate. We still have that bond. And when they visit, when they're here, we still share and we nice. still live like siblings. But really growing up, um, getting that brotherly counsel, that sisterly counsel, that, that sibling saying, turn the music down. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get that. Much. Okay. I got a few of it every now and then when they're here, but not permanently throughout my years growing up. Mm-hmm. But who I turned to, however, for solace, of course, thanks to God, but I have mentors, mm-hmm. church uh, school, my teachers, I, I've, I've had friends, quality friends, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't forgive me if I started calling names because they're too much to mention. <laughs> but right. I mean, my best friend Peter Grant, uh, another our other best friend from NCU, Michaela Hoshing, and and other persons, they've been in my life, tremendous 
blocks. And what I appreciate with these persons, how they help building me when, when I turn to them for solace, for comfort, they help me understand that when I come to them with a problem, they're going to tell me the problem back. Mm -hmm. So I give them a problem. They give the problem back to me. And they don't say, you have a problem. Don't wallow in it. Take the problem and do something with the problem. Make and that negative energy something meaningful. And meaningful. what's the greatest advice? What's the greatest piece of advice you've ever gotten? And who did you get it from? The greatest piece of advice I've gotten. <clears throat> and who did you get it from? And who did I get, get it from? That would be from Elder Charles Lewis. Mm -hmm. Elder Charles Lewis, um, my elder at church, my first elder. And I went to his house to talk, as uh, mentor and mentee. And he said to me, son, look forward. Don't forget what's behind you. Mm -hmm. Look forward. Don't forget what's behind you. And the, that is, it seems small when you look at it up front, but it's actually wider than we will ever think. Mm -hmm. And why it's, it's the most powerful advice for me is because I know who I was. I know where I'm coming from. I don't want to stay there by no means. I don't want to still live in the, in the shadows of the past. So I'm looking forward, mm -hmm. but I'm not forgetting where I'm coming from. And looking forward entails that vision. And of course, he went on to say in the midst of trouble, midst of strife, you know, I went to him for advice on different matters. So he brought those back to me and he was saying, these are problems, but still look forward. Still look forward. And, and always looking forward, it has become almost second nature. It's become difficult still, but second nature to... Mm -hmm have issues but the first thing that will come to mind look forward so something happens i'm crying now sooner or later in my head look forward all right all right calm down how do we go forward how do you think um i remember reading your bio and it said that you were a certified uh, youth counselor with jade <clears throat> you spoke about crying you spoke about having your trials your tribulations your your failures your rejections having to find and have mentors and luckily for you you have a church community that is quite supportive Definitely. we've now seen where a lot of our teenagers are going through a lot we actually see a lot of them with the ideation of suicide and the whole mental health issues coming up wellness coping what has has your experience been on this journey so far with based on your experiences and even who you come across as a as a certified youth counselor um what are some of the issues that you are seeing and do you have any advice for them with these young people mm -hmm. the advice is well what, what i've seen is that a young person struggles with suicide or quitting themselves and other issues mental issues low self-esteem because it was imposed on them it was imposed on them directly or indirectly in mm -hmm. that they were either abandoned, so it was indirect, person just left, and as a result of being alone, they weren't able to find their feet to stand on, or they were directly given negativity, they were directly given downgrading. And it has, of course, affected them because we are emotional creatures. What I would say to them, however, and I'm, I'm hoping that some young person would be watching this program now, don't take the negativity for negativity. Mm. I said it earlier, you can't build a house until you have dug the earth. But how do they not? For some, for some persons who may not have that support system, right. how do they not believe what they have been told for years? We've had youngsters who are conditioned to believe You're, you'll never be anything. anything. Where the people who they rely on the most for reassurance and reinforcement... They're the ones telling them, you're nothing. Actually, you're a burden. We don't actually want you here. 
They're conditioned to believe that that is their norm. How do they not take the negativity as negativity? That has to come from within. Mm -hmm. And it has, so it's something I have experienced, sadly. It has to come from within. Talk to me about that. Something I do personally, I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody, but something I do personally, I have, when I was smaller, I always have this picture of who I will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Young man in a suit, in an office, or speaking in some political space, doing great things. And I'd put him aside. And when I'm, when I'm low, when I'm, when I'm discouraged, I would go to that imaginary person, that future me. And I'd say, how would I get there? And he would talk back to me. Mm -hmm. He'd say things like, keep pushing, keep looking, look forward. And I would talk to that imaginary me. And when that me and me would have a finished conversation, conversation I would step out from that imaginary space and I would be stepping out with renewed purpose. Mm -hmm. I'd be stepping out with, with drive. And it's going to be hard because when you're conditioned to believe that way, you, you, it's like they're closed off all mediums of oxygen. You're now left to suffocate. You said earlier that you, you've experienced that sadly. Is that dealing with negativity or dealing with negativity over and over? Or is it abandonment? What have you experienced for persons to understand that you not only have knowledge of and experience of but you are the living you are living testimony it has been abuse i say abuse um verbally mm -hmm. you know and on before i proceed with that part of abuse it is said that in a jamaican context it is normal mm -hmm. you'll see abuse from parents a, one parent for me i love my father one parent for me uh it is that when abuse is being implemented on children especially, like, okay, that's a typical thing. Mm -hmm. It is not. It should not be okay. But for me, it was verbal abuse, physical abuse as well from my mother. Why? Um, what was the trigger? What was the reason? Right. And I mean, whenever we speak about abuse and we understand, there are so many levels and so many reasons. reasons. Naturally, you're a child and... There is no, there is no reason for right. you to have experienced it. But what do you think was was up with mommy? Why she was not dealing with you the way, as far as you're concerned, is okay. Is okay. It's what I've got from mommy. It is what she told me. So it's no longer a thought. It was a thought prior to her telling me this directly. But what what I've been made to realize is that, as I said earlier, I'm the I'm the only child for both my parents. I'm the last for both as well. So uh, I must point out simultaneously, I'm not sure if they would appreciate this, but I'm sharing for mm -hmm. inspiration. They were married to separate partners. Got you. So it was an extramarital affair that got me here on both parties. Got you. So I was grown up to believe that I am a mistake. I, I should not have been you here are a because problem. I was a problem. I was a problem. Uh, what she would say, I am Matheson, you're a lammy. So, so there's a separation. There's a separation. How did that make you feel, Othniel? Ostracized. And it, it, it's, it's a different level of ostracism because when you're growing up, you know, in kindergarten, you get the family tree. And that mother thing, that mother, father, and the son there. And then they would play video, little cartoon videos and you see mothers hugging their kids. And then in your head as a child, you're like, why is my mommy not doing this with me? Is there something wrong with me? And, and it, it would be a mental tool, a mental pressure on me since I was that small. Did you ever try to fix? So I've, I've spoken to, 
So even adults who've been through the physical, the verbal, the mental abuse, and they said a lot of the time they tried to compensate. They, um, whenever I've spoken to persons like right. that, they've always spoken about trying to compensate, trying to fix, trying to find that thing that would make that person love, love, love them. them. Did you go through that phase? I have, because when I didn't understand the level of the abuse, I must say, I, I, I have been able to remain calm in the midst of the abuse mm-hmm. because I understand that mom was also abused. And she was a victim as well. She was a victim as well. So I, I, despite that not being a justification for doing it to me, but I can understand that it's something you've been through. You probably wouldn't have been given the counseling or the means to express it or like be free. So you're going to impose it and it's fine. But trying to fix, I've asked mom directly, why don't you love me? And these are the conversations from which I got my answers. You're a mistake. Or, and, wow. and she would say things like that. So trying to fix, really, I have used cheeky means. Sometimes I write a message on a sticky note and leave it in the kitchen on the fridge. So next morning when she gets up to go in the kitchen, she would see a note. And it's a little encouragement. Yeah. Something that would probably give her sunshine for the day. Uh, sometimes... She, when she'd view my status, I'd start posting quotes there. So when she reads it, she would, okay, that's for me. Mm-hmm. And it would be indirectly for her, but I'm, she was really the target of many of these things that I'm hoping to leave an impact on my mom. Because what I noticed was that di- directly having a conversation with her was practically impossible. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to take mom aside and sit down and talk, by the first two questions, she gets upset, she starts cussing, she starts wandering off on a high tantrum, and it's over. And which that most times matriculates to getting physical and verbal. So I try avoiding the direct attacking of the issue. And I try to find ways around it to... to You said that. And by the way, thank you for sharing. um, Because I think... I think a lot of the times when we're able to give people anecdotes and we're able to give them advice without actually giving them a little bit of the why I can tell you this, it can be very hard for people to connect the dots. Earlier you said, you know, you love your dad. He said, I love my dad. I guess my question, which is, which, is, which is amazing because usually when you speak to people, they either don't know their dad, they weren't raised by their dad, mm-hmm. or their dad was not involved or present, even though we know there are fantastic fathers. Right. I guess for me, the question would be, how did he play a role understanding what, you know, how mommy is processing, how mommy was taking out her anger on you. You are trying to understand this while trying to grow into who you could be but he's dad right how did he play in terms of either trying to solve help tell me right so my dad was a was a police officer Mm -hmm. he was a sergeant and he's now retired uh how he helped i didn't grow with him they separated when i was about four Mm they're about so by the time i was cognizant of who i was that it was nowhere around um, nowhere around permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, mom would, of course, be getting what we now call child support from him. And it would be very weird for me. And it was difficult to connect with daddy because, you know, I wasn't given that freedom to connect with him. So many times mom would meet up in him, meet up with him at different locations to collect funds or whatever it is that he needs to give to me as a child. And she would say, stay here. And she would cross the street or go to him, mm. do what she needs to do, come back. And she would then say, go, you have five minutes. So interaction was limited. Inter- and as a child, you're thinking, I haven't seen my dad in, in three months, in four, five, six months. I have to express to my father everything I want in just 
sometimes I can't do anything but just cry. Did you ever tell him what you were experiencing? He knew. He knew. Because I, I, at one point when we were having one of those conversations, he, he said, son, I'll be coming for you. Because during this time, he was still working in the force. So he mm -hmm. was unable to take me with him because as a father because he was on his job almost 24-7. He had to stay at the station in Hunts Bay. So, did he ever come for you? He did. He did. The way he got to come, however, I I'm sorry for it to this day, mm -hmm. but he ended up coming. That story, however, of how he got to take me is a whole new episode. I, I'm, I'm not skeptic to share, but mm -hmm. do That's we have fine. the time? That's fine. Please. So I was in the States last year, um, uh, ministering for church, a little politics, a little, you know, youth activism, youth right. activism. Coming back, well, while we were in the States, abuse kept on going. I was staying at my, at my brother's house. By the way, all my mother's siblings left because of the abuse. But the difference with my siblings and I are, are that my siblings, you will hit them, they'll hit you back. I'm the child who will take the hit, go in a corner and cry. So they all left very young. Wow. So we were at my brother's house, staying there and in Orlando. And everything was fine except that mom would be physical still, mom would be verbal still. Coming back to Jamaica, threats were made. And this was when I had enough because I was 16. When you time. say threats, what do you mean? Life-threatening threats. Um, go to the house, I'll probably kill you. <laughs> Gonna mess up school. And the promise was made to do everything she could to thwart my success. And best believe, even as we're still here on the set, those, that Plans. promise is still being kept. That promise is still being kept as we are speaking here. Wow. But you said that you will leave sticky notes for her? All, all over so the you, fridge. To this day, so you are still in the space with her? No. no. Okay. We're, okay. We're, we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> my heart is pounding through oh, my chest. All right. I'm just like, that's wow. All right. That's all right. I guess that's I'm right. also trying to understand, especially when I had the privilege, I will say, hearing your story, right. growing up with my mom and my grandma and having nothing but love and support and having my grandmother and my mother say, Go for everything, anything you dream. We're going to be behind you, tooth and nail. If you want to the dancing and theater and everything, and mm. and hearing and knowing what I experienced and having you hear from your mom, I will kill you. I don't like you. I do not love you. And 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 not just removing, not just saying that and thinking that that's okay, but that she will try to do everything to ruin you. I'm trying to understand as a 16 year old if I'd be able to process. And the fact that you are not just a functioning human being, but I think the fact that you are an amazing young man. Thank you. Eloquent, articulate, and, and you, you want to be the, the change that, that you want to see in this world, in spite of, I think, is what makes this amazing. But please, the threat was made. Yes, the, the threat was made. Thank you, by the way. No yes, problem. The threat was made, and on the plane coming down, I... Blocked her from my status and I posted, you know, if no one hears from me by 6 p.m. tonight, wow. get help. I'll be landing in the Donald Sanctuary International Airport at XYZ time. I remember it was three, eight minutes past three. Were you so, afraid? How did you feel? Definitely like fearful. What plunged me into taking this step? I ran away five times 
to, to, to get help five separate times before. I wouldn't say run away, but I sought help five separate times. And I always went to church because knowing, being, being knowledgeable of the law, knowing that if I brought this to certain authorities, she would be where I don't want my mother to be despite what she isn't, was to me. Isn't that interesting, that, um, that duality that exists where you still love the person who hurts you, you still want the best for them, and the fact that that love but that fear also exists where you want to protect them even though you know what they're doing, what they're is, doing to me. is wrong. Right. So you are is. fearful. You I was fearful. You have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. So I remember my IT teacher, however, Mr. Gavin Scott at the Martin Bay High School, he said to me, I've heard it before, but he said it to me profoundly, not in this context, but it stuck with me in this context. He said, of course, if you want different results, you have to try different things. Can't do the same Can't thing. Can't do the same thing again. So I was like, if I keep going to church, what the church always did, bring me back home, pray, counsel mom, counsel me, and leave. And it would happen. It would happen all again over and again. again. So I'm not about to do that for a sixth time, expecting something different. I'm going to try something new now. So I... I do sign language as well. So, again, I was in the airport and I made a sign to an officer. Help me. And uh, they were watching me while I was going through the line up to immigration. So he was walking around closely just watching me and I was like, all right, I'm good. While I was in the plane as well, I had some receipt in my pocket and I wrote a note on the back of it. And when I went up to immigration, I had that note in my passport. So when I slipped it around, she opened it. She saw the note and she looked at me and I gave her the wink. And funny enough, that woman was also a Seventh-day Adventist as I am. And she has seen me preach before. So she saw the note. She said, give me a minute. She went to the back, came back and said, sir, come with me. And she said, mother, I'm going to need him for a minute. Brought me to the back and asked me a few questions. She went for a police officer. That's fantastic, actually. Who was also an Adventist. Came in, saw me, started talking, and of course, I, th I believe you would know that the police is right next door, Donald Sangso. So he just ran next door and got CDA as well. And that was where it all began. Funny enough, I slept in a children's home. I landed Monday, and I was in a children's home for one week. I left the Thursday, based practically a week. And I left because that was when daddy came for me. So we went to court, and since then I have been living with with my father and I've asked to drop the case what <laughs> I have so many questions for you first of all um, for some of us what you just described is like a Netflix movie it's something that we see in an action it's something that we see in an action movie and sadly we have children who may not be as quick thinking as you who may not be as exposed or understand okay well first of all I have rights right, as a child right. And right. there are people who are here to assist me. And how can I do this in a manner that right. will not cause a problem to escalate? So just for you being quick thinking and even sharing your story now, right. you really don't know who might be listening, who may be thinking, wow, the next time I feel threatened, I'll know that I have that right. option. Two, I have to acknowledge the officers because sometimes culturally and socially yes. is a... Little young picnic uh, over exaggerate and yeah. him probably no want him mother talk to him and yeah. we don't have no time for this you know we're hungry right I mean it, you literally could have gotten a different 
kind of person Definitely. who is accustomed to a different kind of thing and that response you got would not have been the same. the same. And the way in which they managed it, I guess the question for me is one, what was that transition like? You being with family, landing, now you're in a children's home and not knowing and being very uncertain of what might happen to mommy because now the authorities are involved. So you don't want her to get in trouble, but in order for you to, to escape and to be free and to have room to grow, what's going to happen? So walk me through those two things, the transition, you understanding this new space and understanding also that this could be potentially bad for mommy. I couldn't escape the thought of, of course, it going awire for mom. And of course, being that young, being practically not, practically not having an impact in that level of society, I wasn't able to walk up to an officer or to any part of the system to say, do not put her in prison yeah. or do not do this to her. Thankfully, she's not there now, thanks to God. I don't know how that happened, but she's not there now. But... At the, mind, at the time, it did cross my mind that mm -hmm. it would. And I couldn't escape it. I had to say, well, if this is how I'm going to get that freedom that you spoke about, so be it. I'm going to walk in this road. I'm looking in darkness, but I'm going to walk in faith. Mm -hmm. uh, while I was there, I asked myself the question. You asked it, how did I deal with it from going to from family yeah. to a children's home? To strangers. To yeah. strangers. Yeah. I asked myself, how did I get from speaking in Gordon House talking to politicians, talking to great people with purpose, to now being back in my own home country, not knowing where I'll go from here. In a children's home, because she took, I, I, I had a piece of phone, a piece of phone, as we Jamaicans would say, so contacting was limited. My dad always changed phones, so I, I did not have a number for daddy at the time. <sighs> So I am left now, the only family I would have in Jamaica, which I have a number for, is my mother. <sighs> only family, which I have a number for. I'm in that place I'm not from because I'm from St. Thomas, the, the direct next end of the island. So I know nobody here. The only person I, I would have known at the time, which I had a number for, was not family. And when I asked, uh, because when they were taking me to our children's home, I wept so much. I wept. I asked, could I stay by my aunt, by a friend of mine? I respect her, so I call her aunt yeah. auntie. And he was the one who told me, taught me that, help me sign. Can you, can you show me that again? It, it is help me. Mm -hmm. So it's help me. And, and of course, you'd point it to you. And if someone isn't in, in, threatened to you, you would and point you. at the person. So Got you. Cut your own neck point at who is the danger um right so she she taught me that sign and when i was being transported right, you right, when, when you i was being transported mm -hmm. i wept and and i asked them could i be taken to to her house and they were like is she family i said no and they're like by law can't happen sir by law no can't happen so i i had to go there and the seeing it was so emotional because I was, I'm a youth advocate, as you said, and I advocate for young people and seeing the persons directly in my space, persons who I speak up for, persons who I tried to give a voice to because a voice was taken from them, looking at them in my space, I was broken. I was torn up. And how did daddy find you? Or how did you find daddy? I, I remembered an old number for him and, and gladly it was an operation. He then told us about the new number. I, I gave them the old one, um, didn't get through after a couple of tries, finally got through, 
and um, he made arrangements to come to the court. At this time, he was still a police officer, of course. So he, he then made arrangements to come get me, but he wasn't able to come to the children's home. So they brought me to court. I met him there, exchanged the new numbers, and I'm now in contact with my dad. And I just asked them all I want. I don't want anything bad to happen to mommy. All I want is that I do not live with her anymore. I just don't live in that same space because right. it's best that we grow together apart. Hmm. It's That's best, a big it's best that we grow together but apart. Do you think that there is an uh, any chance? Because you said earlier that you've tried to speak, you've tried to have these conversations, probably just to try to get some reconciliation, right? Just to heal. Right. I think what right. you really are looking for is closure, and the 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 the, the possibility of healing. Do you actually foresee, based on who she is and right. who you may very well have to accept she is, do you see yourselves actually growing together? Anything is possible, but currently as it is now, I, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't see it. But I am one, and one as we've, we've been discussing all program, to live the unseen. Mm -hmm. So as I'm saying no, I'm not seeing it, I'm not going to be surprised if by the time I'm 20, or even next month, a whole paradigm shift happens. So even with all of your achievements, because we've seen some things, like we've seen things like that with parents who don't want to have anything to do with the children, but as soon as the children start to achieve and attain, and they're clearly superstars, that's when some parents start to say, you know, is my son that? My daughter that, you know? So even with everything that you've done, in spite of everything, Excellent academic performance. You got your diploma in theology, I think, at the age of 15. Mommy still doesn't, doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. She wasn't here, except physically, of course. She doesn't care. How do you not resent her? How do, and, and, I, and I want you to tell me this from a personal standpoint, naturally. Right. But for persons who might be experiencing something very similar, similar we know that you can't achieve and live freely if you're carry things the question is how did you learn and have you learned to release and to let go and to let god that let god is powerful but to let go initially i'm still learning mm -hmm. but i'll say where i was yesterday i'm i'm way past there today learning that what you just said you won't be able to move forward if you still carry these baggages mm -hmm. I had, to th I had to talk to that imaginary me. I had to think about that imaginary me. And I had to make the decision. If it is that I'm, I am to move forward, if I'm, I cannot, I, I, if I'm to move forward, I cannot live in the shadow of my past. Hmm. And living in the shadow of your past, it takes into consideration those who messed up your past. Yes. The failures you've had in your past the mistakes you made in your past, everything negative, everything black, everything dark, dark about your past. And best believe you have to find a way to let it go there. It, 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 it's difficult because being emotional creatures, when someone stabs you or cuts you, you might be able to take that knife out, but the scar stays forever. It stays forever. And even if for a moment you might think you forgive them, Sometimes when you see the scar, memories will come back. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm I'm not one to tell you that I'm perfect at mastering this art because there are moments I have been frustrated. Mm-hmm. There are moments I walk out into the black of night looking at the stars and I, I even question, is God even real? Where are you? Because yeah. I'm studying theology. Well, I was going to ask you, as somebody who is Christian, SDA, very involved, youth minister, you're all of these things, and yet this was your reality. It and is. I was going to ask you if what you were experiencing ever threatened your faith in God? It did, mm-hmm. to an extent. Okay. Because, again, as, as I was saying, I, w- I would question if God was even real. I would question him. I would, I'd question if he loved me. I would question, you know, all these things about God. I'd question God himself. And it would be a dead end. It, it would be nothing, null. And I, I'd be so hurt. But, but, but here's the thing. In church, they would always tell you that, you know, and I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I would have, I would have done it with you, but my voice is um, that's all right. not up to scratch. My voice is made for talking. Uh, Let's that, just put it that way. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but I, that's one of my favorite songs, actually. Definitely. And it's powerful. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. And, and there's an, another thing that says when you see one set of footprints in the sand. It's because he's carrying it's you. It's carrying you. He's carrying you. And I've made, I've, I've made myself understand that not everything will make sense. Mm. But I know the God who made senses. Uh, that's, that's just spiritual things. But, they're, no, but, that's but, fine. but, but going through these phases, Antiterry, they have made me realize that my faith is Bigger the than your building fear. I want to build. But the blocks the steel, the cement, sadly and ironically, is the rejection. Hmm. The, the, the equipments, the hammer, the nails you're going to use to build that building of success is going to be the rejection, the failures. The disappointment, the, the disappointments, challenges. The emotional breaking. And, and, and you would wonder, you think success is built on you know, fame, uh, success is built on, on academic success and, and greatness. No. So, it's built on the opposite. Let me ask you this. When we were at NCU, you came over and you started telling me a story of how you and I were connected. Or, yes. Or, 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 or rather, my role, I suppose, which, was, which I think kind of blew me away. Um, share, that, share that story, please. Definitely. I, I apologize. I did not do my homework. No, oh, the homework should have been. I should have looked up that season of the year. The year. I That's should have looked up the year. But uh, viewers, it was a year on Digital Rising Stars um, during the audition phase when you were going about from different parishes selecting persons to sing on the program. And this was when Andrew Terry was doing the thing with her heels, clack clack. Can you do it? Right. So 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 what the producer had me do was right. I would be doing the audition in, for example, Savlamar. Right. And then with the outro is like well. Click, click, and I would teleport. end up. I would teleport, yeah. and I would end up in, for example, Saint Anne, Saint and then Anne. at the end of Saint Anne, I'd go click, 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 and then I'd end up, you know, in in Clarendon or something. So that was the that was the thing for right. the audition that year, right? So th- that was the season. So anybody can find it, and that was the that was a season where. Well, you've always been impactful to me, I must Thank say. You. But that season Thank was you. the end of which you said. Something to all viewers. I think you said you all are stars. You mm-hmm. said something inspirational. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me. And the funny thing is why it stuck with me. I was told the direct opposite. I was told the direct opposite mm-hmm. of exactly what you said. And when Auntie Terry said that, and 
what made it fun you were looking straight into the camera so it's like you're looking at me i, I was you were talking I was talking to right me. to you, were you talking right me. at me and i was like oh man that's mine that yeah. message is mine and i took it and i ran with it and the negativity was nullified wow. confidence was multiplied and man i i i took off both could not catch me on that one. Sorry, Usain. I know you're fast, but don't worry. His book is right here. It's, it's, it's fine. His book is here, so right. he'll, he'll. That's that's actually um, that's beautiful, and I think it. I guess it reminds us of how language affects people. Language has the the ability and the power to break, or make to reinforce, to reassure, to reassure. Um, and you telling me that story still makes me kind of go, wow, the fact that you took it. You held on to it, and it it made you it 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 probably helped you to transition or transform into. Not probably it did. It did. It did, because no, hearing from somebody the direct opposite of something I've made to believe or made to not believe rather, you telling me that I'm a star when I'm living in a home where, the the queen of it is making me believe that I'm not like a Cinderella except I'm a prince. Yeah. It's difficult. And, and, and being smaller, you're wondering, I'm faced with two worlds. It's funny because my mother, you know who a mother is. You know what a mother ought to be. And when it's not lived up to what you know, it and raises expect. questions. And not being able to answer them, you're left emotionally distraught. And then hear from a total stranger. Someone I thought I would never even meet. Ah, look at God. Again, you, you did mention it. I wouldn't see myself here five years back. But hearing from a total stranger, you're a star. It's, it does something to you. It does something to you. Wherein, whereas you don't, especially because you don't know the person. So hearing it come from somebody, you, you have hope that one, not everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it leaves you to understand. I made a quote from my experience. It says, sometimes your family will cause your famine and your enemies will make you eat. You have to understand that that building, it doesn't come from where it ought to come all the time. Hmm. What you have to realize is that life doesn't play fair. The purpose of life is not to make you live <laughs> It's funny the way life operates, but we have to take negativity and make it into something meaningful because at the end of it, you are to strive, you are to live, you are to be that star. And for that young person watching, hopefully one is, Mm -hmm. or many are, I don't know your situation, but if it is similar or something close to what I've been through, many of us have been through, do not live in the shadow of your past. Hmm. If your past is water, you're going you're gonna to walk on it and fall through. Have your past be building blocks and steps. Make them hard. Mm-hmm. Accept it for what it is. It's here. It's a surface. I'm going to make it into something meaningful mm-hmm. and rise above it. And that is what you ought to do. Beautiful. And I thank you for sharing. I think you're extremely um, self-aware. And considering you could have been a statistic, I don't know how many times you've sat down and thought about how many times you probably were not meant to be here and how quickly and easily you could have been a statistic. I hope you are constantly reminded and constantly reassured that God is so good. Yes. And he's always listening. Um, and I think you've also demonstrated that your, your, your faith is just so much bigger than your fear. Um, having experienced what you have experienced... Do you struggle with 
anger? Do you struggle with dealing with your emotions? Do you struggle because one thing you are is articulate and eloquent. You have no problems communicating. But I know a lot of psychologists and even psychiatrists will say that a lot of the times, even if we're able to heal a little, there are things that remain that remain and that become struggles for us, if not even on a daily basis throughout our lives. What is the biggest thing you think you still struggle with that you have not been able to just completely say, oh, to let go of? Hearing negativity um, for 16 years, mm -hmm. it is hard to not believe it at some point. <laughs> Especially when you try something and you feel you're made to wonder, oh, did what she, is what she said actually right? Yes. What she said about me being not being a star, what she said about me not being anything in life, is, is she right? Mm -hmm. You're made to think about it. And many times, even today, I put my mind to something and I try to, to be the best in a particular area. And when it doesn't work out immediately or after a period of time, I, I would self-talk, self-don't talk. Mm -hmm. And I would repeat to myself the things mommy would tell me. Mm -hmm. It's a process because sometimes you'll be talking to yourself and two things would happen. You're cognizant of the fact that you got this from your mother. And two, I have photographic memory. So I will literally be picturing mom in the house with a high heel shoes, with a knife, with a stick, with something pointing at me, telling me the same words. And in that moment, I'm looking at what I want to be. I'm looking at my greatness in front of me, trying to make it work. But in my head is that voice. Yeah. And it, it, it makes me cry. It makes me scream. And, and I, man... How I deal with it, though, is acceptance. Mm. Acceptance is probably the biggest thing we all struggle with because acceptance and expectation. Mm. We get disappointed because we expect things. And when things don't go according to how we expect, we're disappointed. And when we're disappointed, we don't know how to accept things. And then we're emotionally degraded. And it's a loop. And it's a loop. So you've accepted who mommy is? I have accepted who she is. Have you forgiven her? I believe I have. Mm-hmm. If, if one would take into consideration that forgiveness includes getting over trauma or, you know, being free totally, I'll say I haven't. Because I still live with fragments of the memory. Sometimes I'll, I'll have trouble sleeping, even <laughs> to this day. And even if I do sleep when I wake up, sometimes the first image I'd see is something traumatic from, from the experience I've had with her. But relating to her today is no big deal. I do it freely, even though... I'll text her because that's all how we communicate now. I say, hi, mom, are you okay? I don't want to talk to you. Left me alone. All right, no problem. And I'd give her two weeks, three weeks, a month. Hi, mom, you want to talk? Move right, so don't... And I have to come to terms with that. Mm. All while doing everything you said. And it, 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 it's painful. It's painful. If you, had, if you had the ability to sit down and to tell her something... Whether you believe she will accept it or not, what would you say? I love you. Hmm. A mother was given to me to be loved. The Bible did say, can a mother forsake her suckling child? <laughs> not even thinking about that. The fact is, all that I am, all that I have gotten, despite her not speaking positively to me to help me achieve it, I am alive because she birthed me. 
So even the mere fact, if all she gave me, was if life. the only thing she gave me was life, I have to be forever grateful. <laughs> because she could have killed me. Despite her threatening too, she could have actually actualized that, that verbalization and killed me. <laughs> I'm still alive today and I have the ambitious road ahead of me because she let me live. <laughs> Despite letting me live with trauma, with, with, with uh, PTSD, with issues with scars mental scars despite having me live with them the fact is i am alive yeah and where there's life there's always hope all right and i just want to i just want to i'm sure the the listeners the, for those persons who might be listening across the the podcast platforms right. then you're going to have those who might be watching us via youtube i'm sure they are going to be extremely impressed by how you've dealt with this uh, i think it's unfortunate that you were forced to to not experience childhood the way I think all children should. should experience it. You were forced to grow up a lot faster and to deal with a lot more issues that really were, and burdens, and, and yeah, that you were not supposed to carry. And the fact that you carry it with such grace and such style, literally. Uh, and I, and I, I'm positive that sometimes people see you, you're well put together, you are sharp, you are well-groomed, you are clean, you choose your words, you minister to people and you're actually trying to create change and you're trying to transform lives and there will be people who look at you and think you have life simple. That, you know, your bread butter on all sides, including the edges. There are people who will look at you and think, I'm not know nothing about problems or disappointment. And I just want to take the opportunity to say that you are a star and you are living who you should be and I think you are deserving of it. And you, you've carried it a long time. And I see, you, I see you tearing up because you know how you've had to walk into rooms as the debater, walk into the room as the youth minister. You've had to perform in front of a lot of people. And I'm saying you can absolutely release. You've, you've handled this with such grace, all while trying to protect your mom. And I am positive, proof positive, that you will continue to do amazing things and that you will move to world stages and um, you will continue to be the voice of, of the, the persons who um, experience the things that you experienced. I think my final word I will leave to you is, what is your definition of redirection? The definition of redirection. Let me think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. For you... In your words, because everyone has a different journey, different blueprint, different experiences, um, different influences. But for Othniel, Vashon, Lamy, what is your definition or what does redirection mean to you? Redirection for me, for Othniel. It's funny enough not turning around or walking the opposite direction. It's walking where you were told not to walk. Jeez. It's walking in what was outlined to you as a blueprint of impossibility. It's taking failures, taking negativity, and making it positive. I've always been told, well, I've always told people rather, that if you're living without a crisis, you're not just far away from Christ, but you're, fur you're far away from who you ought to be. Because mm -hmm. I said earlier, life wasn't designed to make us live. Life was designed to make us live with hardship. 
So the redirection is understanding where you were told not to go. And you're not redirecting yourself, but you're redirecting impossibility to understand that you being the star of your life, you're going to make it possible. Hmm. Othniel, Fashan, Lamy, thank you so very much for thank your you. time. For um, all the best. I know that you are pursuing your, is it your degree in yes, religion and theology, and theology? And a minor in law and political and science. And a minor in law and political science. On behalf of my entire TK tribe, the entire community, um, it's good to know that the future is in absolutely great and impeccable hands. Thank, Thank you, you for being much. in the redirection seat. And um, I love you. I love you too. I love I you, love my love darling. You All right. Too. Thank you. Thank you You're for welcome. having me. You're welcome. Bye, guys. All I can say is bye. And we will see you on the next episode of Redirection with Terry Carell. Thanks to our partners, MasterCard, Toyota Jamaica, Spaces, Commercial Concepts, Breche, Beauty Brands by MDS, and Go Shore Courier.